Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. I've, I've said this so many times, I, it, I shouldn't even have the right to say it, but yes, I know it's been a while. Today is Thursday, February 18th, and amongst the news that I'm going to mention on this episode is, well, the reason why I'm doing an episode today, and there's also the motivation behind doing an episode. So if that wasn't mysterious enough. The biggest news right now is the news about Jeanette Lee. Uh, the news broke yesterday that Jeanette was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer. Really, the only information that we have out there is what's in the press release. However, the interview for this episode is with her agent and good friend, Tom George. Uh, Tom is somebody that I've worked with in the billiards industry for quite some time in relation to Jeanette. I used to maintain Jeanette's website, so I worked regularly with Tom, and I worked with Jeanette, and she was she was fun to work with. Um, I'm gonna I'm not gonna try to get into any details. I will say that I'm not surprised at all by the outpouring of support that we're seeing in the industry. I'm, I'm not even really surprised with the amount of coverage that I'm seeing from outside of the industry. Off microphone, Tom mentioned that the Washington Post had a story about it. Uh, ESPN was doing what they could to help push, you know, get the news out there. TMZ's website had information about it. Jeanette is a unique person in the billiards industry. Um, I, I, I talked about this with Tom in the interview. Jeanette is the combination of ability, drive, smarts, motivation. I mean, she was able to do something. She was able to become a name outside of our world. I can't count the number of times I've I've climbed into a taxi and you get into a conversation with the driver about why you're there. Well, I'm here for a pool tournament. I'm here for a trade show, whatever. And the first question out of their mouth is, do you know the Black Widow? The Black Widow is what people outside of the industry associate with pool. And she was able to, to create that. She did an outstanding job of, of promoting herself and in promoting herself, promoted the game itself. So again, I, I don't want to get too, too deeply into it. We don't know a whole lot. What we do know is that Jeanette's won an awful lot of matches in her life, and she's going to do everything she can to win this one. Um, in other news, I, I don't want to dig too deeply into the Billy Thorpe thing. Look, my opinion. I've been wrong before, but this is just my opinion. Q-Tech was in a, a no-win situation. They did what they had to do. They made the right decision. My experience, I, I'm not going to name names. Years and years and years ago, before AZ Billiards was anywhere near what it is now, I had a player come to me and say, you're not doing a very good job of marketing AZ Billiards, and there's so much more that could be done by marketing it. And I, I understood that completely. Yeah, that's not what I do. I I built the website. I, I didn't want to market it. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I mean, I ran the site for years without a, a banner ad one. But this player came to me and said, look, I can sell advertising for the site. And 
I, I'm a youngster in the industry. We meet at a tournament. We were sharing a room at a tournament, and he tells one of the big-name companies, hey, uh, Mike Howerton over at AZ Billiards, he needs a cue. And this company brings me $1,000 cue. Now, keep in mind, this was 10, 15 years ago. I was blown away. You know, this is a major cue company that just handed me a, a cue for, you know, they're going to advertise. And I said, well, there you go. You, you can sell marketing. You know, you can sell advertising on the site. It wasn't two days at this tournament when people came to me and said, hey, is, uh, is so-and-so selling marketing for you, selling banner ads? And I said, yeah, he's, he's doing some work with us. And they said, well, you need to understand how he does business. And, you know, he's, he's very pushy, and, and this is the way he handles things. And I went back to him, and I said, hey, you're representing AZ Billiards. I realize this is the way you do business, but this, this is not going to work. We need to tone it down. Look, if people want to come on and buy ads, that's great. If they don't, okay, it, it doesn't mean anything negative. It, it, you know, if they don't want to advertise, that's fine. We're still going to do everything we can to, to promote what they're doing. And he said, look, this is the way I do things. You know, you either have me do things the way I do them or I'm not doing them for you. You know, it was two or three days into our relationship. And I said, OK, then I, I guess you're not you're not selling ads for me. You know, and, and the moral of the story, which I realize they're not the same. But the moral of the story is when you are speaking for a sponsor, when when a sponsor, it's not just, hey, thanks, I'm going to wear your patch and you're going to give me some cues that I can raffle off. And I'll go about my business. Like I talk with Tom about in this interview, you are always on camera and you are always representing that company. You are no longer John Doe pool player. You are now John Doe pool player sponsored by XYZ Q company. And everything you do is done under that name, XYZ pool company. So, you know, look, I get it. Uh, Billy's a very popular player and Billy is going to have sponsorship before any of us know it. I mean, he's a great player. He's a champion. He's going to go on to win many, many, many more tournaments and he's going to go on to have many more sponsors. It was a lesson learned and I'm sure he will learn it. Uh, you know, so again, uh, Q-Tech and, and yes, I, I 100% admit Q-Tech is a sponsor of AZ Billiards it doesn't matter if they were a sponsor or not. I fully believe that they were in a lose-lose situation and they did what they had to do. So speaking of Q companies, uh, Predator. Predator's making some waves out there in the industry. Not really making waves, but Predator is, is getting even more involved. We had the release in the downtime between episodes that the Tri-State Tour is now the Predator Tri-State Tour. Not surprised when Tony Robles left New York and went to Florida, uh, the Predator Tour stopped operating. The Tri-State Tour with John Lehman had been out there for so long already, so it just made sense for Predator to step in and become a, a title sponsor for that tour. They're also involved with this uh, new event coming up from Matchroom, the Championship Series event. I don't know a whole lot about that event. Uh, we don't really have complete information about the the format and how it's going to happen, but I expect we will we will know that soon. I mean, it's mid-February and the event is in March. Um, in 
in COVID-related news, Super Billiards Expo was postponed again. It's, it's now scheduled for June with an announcement expected in mid-April as to whether it's going to be postponed again. Um, I, I mean, I can't wait for that event to finally happen, but I understand Alan doing everything he can to, to make sure that everyone is able to enjoy it safely. In the meanwhile, water is wet news. Um, Jason Shaw won a 10-ball event. Surprise. Uh, Dennis Orcoyo won a big one-pocket event. Shane Van Boning won a big nine-ball event. And Christina Tkach won a big ladies' event. I think maybe I'll just take that little segment of the show and record it and put it on my desktop because I'll be saying it many, many more times in the future. So moving on to... What I mentioned as the motivation for another episode. This week, we, and when I say we, I mean Nate Mendham, Demetrius Gelatis, and Rob Hovick from the Cue It Up podcast, and Nick Olson from the Chalk is Cheap podcast, and myself, all announced that we are joining up to create the Cue It Up network. Now, this is the American Billiard Radio side of, of what I do. So American Billiard Radio, Chalk is Cheap, and the Cue It Up podcast are going to join forces and release their episodes through the same platform. So you'll have this episode today. In a couple of days, you'll have an episode from Nick with Chalk is Cheap. Uh, a couple of days after that, you'll probably have an episode from Nate and Rob and Demetrius because Nate is doing his VG9 ball with the ladies this week. What it's going to mean for the listener is that you're going to have a regular supply of new podcasts to listen to. It's not going to be, oh, Mike over at ABR might do one episode a month. And, you know, if, if, if Nate's busy running an online tournament, maybe he won't do an episode for four or five days. But it's the winner in this partnership is going to be the listener. They're going to have much more to listen to. And that's why I became a part of it. I also, I mentioned this in the announcement, I became a part of it because American Billiard Radio started out with Dave and Mark and Melinda and myself and Randy and Scott and other people who submitted content to the podcast. When when Dave released an episode, it wasn't just Dave talking for an hour, it was it was a segment with Dave. It was a segment with Mark. It was a segment with me. It, it, we all did things together. And, and that's how I see this partnership benefiting American Billiard Radio. Uh, I see it benefiting the show with input from other people. I'm looking forward to doing an episode every once in a while with Demetrius or doing an episode every once in a while with Nick or Rob or Nate. I'm also... Honestly, knowing myself, I want to be held accountable. You know, I feel bad every time I don't do an episode, but like I said in the announcement, it's easy to not do an episode. Uh, you don't do one this week, and then it's easy the next week to say, ah, I didn't do one last week. You know, nobody's listening anyway. Well, that's not true. And I, I think being held accountable to a degree by the guys in the partnership will help me make more episodes. We'll see. You know, we all struggle with our inner demons, and, and this one is one of mine, and, and we don't need to get into that. What we do need to get into is the interview that I did with Tom George. 
Tom talks about the the details of the situation with Jeanette. He doesn't know a lot of details, but he talks about what he knows. And then we talk about Jeanette and his relationship with her over these years and, and what it was that Jeanette has that we don't see from other players right now. And yes, uh, Tom and I very briefly talk about, you know, the idea that, that you're always on camera when, when you're being sponsored. But I'll let Tom give his input. I think he has a very valuable input into that. So, as usual, uh, without any further ado, I give you Tom George. I'm very, I'm very saddened kind of right now to be joined by Tom George. Tom George is Jeanette's longtime agent, and, and they, it was much, much more than just a simple agent client relationship. Tom runs Tom George Sports and Literary. Uh, Tom, I'm guessing you've been pretty busy lately. It's been it's been very, very busy. Um, and I've, I've been involved in GoFundMe campaigns before, but I never ran one before. And I now have a much better appreciation for the people that ran them because they are much more work than simply putting up a website and then watching. It's tons of work. And we're, we're sending thank you notes to everybody who donates and there's there's people with all kinds of suggestions from help for her illness which i pass along because i'm certainly not the expert in that category um to other things that she can do um you know just nice things um got a note from a lady in muncie indiana who we do not know who who is has a billiards page billiards um facebook page and that group is having a fundraiser for jeanette this saturday um in muncie Wow, nice. that's that's really nice. Exactly. Uh, so it's been it's been very it's been I've been depressed about it a lot because it's depressing work in a way. But I've also been very gratified at the at the response we're getting from from all the people she's done business with in the past and the people we don't even know. And I it's not that I didn't expect it. I sort of did, um, but it was still gratifying. It's still gratifying and warm to um, feel it. Well, let's get the. Let's get the depressing side of things out of the way. Uh, what details can you give us about what's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to provide what I can, knowing Mike that I'm not the medical expert here at all. Um, but she has stage four ovarian cancer. She was diagnosed with that uh, about a month ago. It was a complete surprise. Um, and it has uh, migrated into her lymph nodes, which is which is bad. Um, she's already started chemotherapy, um, she's, and um, she will be doing a whole bunch of operations. I'm not going to read details which ones because that's her private stuff, but a whole bunch of operations like to remove her lymph nodes and that kind of stuff. She's dedicated to fighting this as hard as she can. The prognosis is not good generally. We try to keep a hopeful a hopeful point of view. You know, it can be beaten. It has been beaten. People have beaten it. Um, it's it's that's that's a, so. From my point of view, uh, we can hope for the best and prepare for the worst. That's what that's what what I'm doing. Um, she didn't even know she had it for a long time because she's in such pain all the time from the scoliosis that she has. She's been fighting that forever. Um, she had an operation last March to for this. Uh, process that would help alleviate the pain from her back and was unsuccessful. Uh, that was her 19th surgery for scoliosis, uh, which is a lot. Um, so the pain was sort of masked. Pain of the cancer 
was sort of masked by the pain. She didn't even find out about it until she couldn't breathe and found out that she had fluid in her pleura, which is lining around the lungs. Um, that's when they found out she had cancer. Um, so it's it's tough, and she's. But I'll tell you, her her attitude is well. She has she has her moments, of course. But it's it's um, it's the same attitude that gave her her nickname. Her point of view is fight it as hard as and long as you can. Um, I made her watch the Jim Valvano speech, uh, and she liked it. <laughs> she said, "That's what I want to do." You know what I mean by the Jim Valvano speech? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, most sports fans do. If if you're a sports fan out there and you have not heard the Jim Valvano cancer SB speech. Go on YouTube and watch it. It's worth worth seeing. And, and I will grab a link to it and throw it up on the show notes here for for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's special. It's he did a great job, and he died only a few days after that. Um, and Jeanette's not near death right this minute. She's not, but she's going. You know, she's got a really bad cancer, and it's involved. Um, and she's like I said, she's already she took her second second round of chemo was yesterday. And and for the the couple of listeners out there who may not be familiar with the scoliosis that she's fought all these years, um, I mean, what do, what do we know about that? Nineteen surgeries. Yeah, well, it's okay. I can again, not a medical expert, but I've lived this part, um, and it and it has in, inhibited her income a lot over the years too because she's had had all of these surgeries. But scoliosis basically is curvature of the spine. Um, and there's a bunch of ways to treat it. She first diagnosed when she was 10. She spent a lot of her youth in a body cast trying to straighten it. Um, there's a famous story about when she first got into billiards. Uh, she was she was manically into billiards, um, different than most reason most people are into billiards, by the way. She loves the geometry of it. The geometry of it made sense to her. Um, it was beautiful to her. Um, and she practiced so much that her back hurt so much her friends had to carry her home crying. Um, wow. But it's, she now has every bone in every vertebra in her spine from her neck to her butt is fused. So if you're, if you're on her left or right and say something to her, she has to turn her whole body to look at you. She cannot turn her head. She has to wow. turn her whole body to look at you. Fortunately for billiards, she can bend at the waist. Um, but the pain has gotten so bad in the last few years that she could not reach the end of the table, you know, and you know, you can't be a pro and be using a bridge, right? I mean, shit, that's just <laughs> not for very many times, not very much. Um, but she really couldn't, and she couldn't take the a number of matches you had to play in a number of amount of time. It was just too debilitating um, for, for her to, to, to do that. So all kinds of neck surgeries and back surgeries. And, um, you know, like I said, every, every, every vertebra is, is, uh, is fused. Considering the amount of success that she's had in the game, how much more success could she have had if she hadn't been fighting the scoliosis? Well, that's a that's a, a shoot. That's a soothsayer question, Mike. I, um, uh, but I can do it. This we were having, you know, we did we did okay. She, I think it's fair to say that if you discount hustling, I'm not saying Jeanette hustled, but if you discount people who made money at billiards by hustling because nobody knows how much money that is. It could be a lot. Um, but made it legitimately through prize money and endorsements and appearance and that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure Jeanette made more than anybody. I don't see anybody that's even close. However, 
that is not a lot of money in a, depending on how you measure it. It's a good living. It's a very good living. Um, but it's not wealth. I did a little math yesterday. I looked at it. And if, um, um, if you're Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander, you make, you make more money um, halfway through a season than, than Jeanette made her entire career. Um, there are college assistant coaches that make more in a year than Jeanette has made uh, in billiards cumulatively. So it's good, and she was famous and all that, but she never had the kind of um, wealth that celebrity, that people who think, people think celebrities all make a great sum of money. Jeanette made a nice living. She did not have, a, she did not have wealth. Right. And, and that leads to the GoFundMe. Um, whose idea was the GoFundMe, and, and can you talk about what it's set up for? Yeah, I can. It was mine. It was my volunteer. I volunteered to do it. Um, and Jeanette had some resistance because she, you know, asking people for money. Yeah, that, that's, uh, so she's not asking. Uh, it's, it's, uh, me and Mike Pinozo from Billiards Digest and the guys at APA and, uh, a, a group of people are doing this on her behalf. Um, and it's really set up for her kids because she has three kids still in the house, minor girls. Um, uh, Cheyenne is a 16 now, Chloe's 11, and uh, Savannah is 10. Delightful girls, very cute. Um, and uh, Jeanette's been a single mother for them for um, a long time. And her main anxiety, which is why I came up with the idea, uh, why I looked for an idea, for that matter, um, was her main anxiety about what she was going through was the possibility that she'd be leaving her kids in the lurch. And she doesn't want that to happen. Um, you know, her, her main source of income over the last few years has been her. She's the she runs the APA franchise. You guys know what that is, right? I mean, sure. the, the Bill's people know what that is, right? It's the league franchise oh, yeah. through the APA in the Tampa area. Well, anybody who's been uh, is with the APA knows that the last year of the pandemic has not been kind to that business. Um, it's been viciously bad for that business because nobody's going to bars to play, right? Uh, so there's been a big turn, downturn in that business. So um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real need and it's a distinct need, but it's also a, a long-term need. This is designed so that um, her kids will be able to go to college as part of it. Right. So, so right. care and well-being for her, medical expenses for Jeanette, because she's had scoliosis for so long, uh, a lot of this is covered by Medicaid, but a lot of it's not. And, and her insurance doesn't cover much. It's viciously expensive because it's always been viciously expensive because she's uh, had a pre-existing condition. Well, and, and there isn't really a uh, professional pool insurance fund out there to, to pull from. No, there's no. Yeah, there's none of that. And, you know, she's never a men, member of a team. And, you know, she's always been responsible for her own, as all the, as all the men and women who play professionally are, they're responsible for their own. Um, expenses and apply this trade um, well. A lot of that is international travel, um, so it's uh, it's 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 a combination of things. But the the main function of this is to make sure that if in fact Jeanette does pass prematurely, that her girls are taken care of. And and like the uh, Jim Valvano speech, I will also have a link on the show notes to the GoFundMe, so people can go check that out and and make their donation. Um, let's, let's talk about happier things. Can, can you talk about, you know, of all the pro players that I've ever dealt with, I can't think of any of them that had an agent aside from Jeanette. 
Can ah. you talk about how that got started? Yes, I can, but I'm going to tell you that I, I also used to represent Ava Mattia way back, for okay. like a year and a half, way before I represented. There was a big article in the New York Times Magazine that profiled Ava, and Ava's obviously a very attractive woman as well. And and we we tr- I tried hard for a year and a half with Ava. I tried hard. She was wonderful. Um, and we did a couple things. I did some, did a book deal, and we did a, 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 a tour in Australia. A couple things. We did a couple things, but it was just way too much work. For the for the income, and we parted ways amicably. Um, and so, a few years later, a few years after that, um, one of my I need to explain my relationship. The company I worked for at the time was Octagon. Octagon is now the I was a founding member of the, of, of that firm, um, and is now the largest sports marketing athlete representation form firm in the planet. It's we're the biggest. I still say we. I've been gone there from. 10 years now, but it, I have a very strong pride of ownership. Um, we're, we were, we're, we, we are, and we're one of the big boys, right? right? And so one of my, and I was, I ran our athlete marketing group. I wasn't an agent in the Jerry Maguire sense. I, I wasn't, you know, that's what people tend to think of when they think of agents. Um, it, it's not that model. So we had guys who were the were recruiters and were client managers. And I took my group and I took care of their off court, off field, off ice, off pitch, marketing and other ways of monetizing what they do is that okay. is that a, you, okay good so um one of my basketball agents came to me the guy who represented travis best in indianapolis at the time um and said listen this this travis knows this pool player Jeanette lee the black widow she wants to talk to you so what do you think my response was my response was nah Ooh. man i don't do it geez she's willing to come out here and meet you I said, really? Well, I'll talk to her. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to her. Um, so I'm senior. I'm the senior guy on the staff, right? So she comes in. Um, she comes in. in we're in Northern Virginia. Uh, she flew in from Indianapolis and came to the came to the office, dressed like Jeanette Lee dresses, but in this case, with a little white waistcoat kind of thing, right? Um, and she comes into the. Um, the conference room to talk to me for a while. And we talk and I tell her all the reasons why I don't want to do it. And she keeps going. Um, she keeps going. But before she, before she even sat down, she walks up to her chair. She, she, she makes this big show of taking off the waistcoat and hanging it on the back of the chair. She's wearing a, a, um, a black one piece halter thing. Right. Okay. And, and she's talking to me about all this stuff. And, and, uh, she says, look, all I want you to do, just to let me be on the roster, and just I'll, whenever I have a deal, I'll bring it to you. You can negotiate it and do the legal, and I'll pay you this for that. And I said, really, that's all you want? So no proactive, no responsibility, no – she said, no, nope, just do that. I said, okay, we'll do this. And I said, and quite frankly, you had me at waistcoat, um, <laughs> um, which she, she to this day denies that ever happened denies it completely denies that it ever happened but it wasn't more than three or four months of doing that um that um we were rep- we were representing her um full bore um and one of the things that makes Jeanette special amongst athletes not just pool players but in um pool it's more important because it doesn't things don't come to you nobody works it like Jeanette Lee works it you know exactly. I was getting I was getting cards and leads and um ideas and things to do and people to follow up with 
so much that I, and I did, we were making money and we did good. Um, and I've used this quote several times. I'll use it again because it's a good one. Everybody knows her as Jeanette, the black widow, Jeanette Lee, the black widow. That's the branding, by the way. It's never Jeanette, the black widow, Lee, Jeanette Lee, the black widow. We just, that took us an hour to talk about, talk that through. <laughs> Jeanette Lee, the black widow. Um, in the, in the octagon offices, she got the nickname Jeanette never let you down Lee because she never canceled. She did. She always came with the goods. She always gave you a good show, no matter what. In the entire time I've represented her, which was decades, she missed one gig, and I made her not go. And it was a free charity gig that we could easily reschedule, and she was sick as a dog. I wouldn't let her go. Um, but other than that, she made, she made every gig. Mike, you're old enough to remember the Atlanta Super Bowl. Do you remember? It was, I do. God, it was a long time ago. But you, there, was, there were ice storms in Atlanta all that week for Super Bowl week. It was vicious. Nobody could fly in. They couldn't fly out. It was very hard. And Jeanette had a gig that day um, with the uh, National Football League Players Association. For no money, she got two tickets to the game, which is still pretty good money, but okay. Sure. Um, and so she's in Indianapolis. The gig is in Atlanta. I'm canceling things left and right because people can't get there. And she calls me. And and, uh, she, and I cut her off as she starts talking. I said, Jeanette, don't worry about it. Everybody's canceling. I'll just tell me you can't. She goes, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're going to make it. George, uh, George and I are, are driving. We're halfway across Kentucky. We'll make it. <laughs> I, I, I remember taking the phone. This is back when we had phones that were connected to the wall. Remember those phones? Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I took the receiver, and I was staring at the receiver like, who is this person? <laughs> um, so, so she worked it very hard. She delivered the goods. You know, I think everybody sort of thinks it's because of the nickname. The nickname was very organic, and I think you know. It did, nobody gave her that nickname, really, or it just stuck. It, was, it, was not, it wasn't part of the marketing plan, if you know what I mean. It certainly didn't hurt. It was a very good nickname, and it worked. Oh, yeah. But I, I was always amused by that the rest of the girls all of a sudden had nicknames. Um, you know, the Striking Viking, the Duchess of Doom. There's some more of them. I know there are. I just sure. can't remember them all. Um, but that's that's part of it. And, and, and when I signed her, the guys at Octagon gave me a whole bunch of grief because, yeah, Tom, there's no money in billions. What are you doing? You are just representing her because she's so good looking. Right. And I thought about that for a second. I said, well, it has been my experience that beautiful people are easier to sell than non-beautiful people. I must say that. Um, and that's true. So the looks count. Um, but you've seen her. But you've seen her perform. She has, she has a lawn. She has style. She has verve. I mean, but she's, you know, she's, she's not just knocking balls in a pocket, right? Right. Um, she, she's stalking around that table and she's glaring at it and she's pumping fists and all that kind of stuff. It's fun to watch. Um, and because of that, she became ESPN's darling because that's – and if you had to ask me really what was the key to her popularity, ESPN was televising Williams Billiards at the time. Without that, all that other stuff would have been nice but not compelling. Um, but, you know um, – Without the, you have to have the exposure too, and ESPN gave that to her. Um, but that is true for all the other girls at that time. And there were some players, obviously. Allison Fish is an awesome player, um, and and she's popular and she's pretty. Um, but Jeanette just had all those that that 
really good combination stuff, and I like to think I helped. Well, certainly. It's interesting that you talk about the the combination of traits that Jeanette brought to the table. Um, that was that was something I wanted to ask you about. I mean, there there were players who played during the time that she was at her peak at her level. I mean, I think at one time she was the top player on the WPBA, but there were other players who played close, but no one that I can remember has had that combination of, <clears throat> excuse me, of marketability, of looks, of talent, of uh, of just knowing what they wanted to go after. And I left something out that's really important, and it's really important now because it's the reason why the, this GoFundMe campaign seems to be working. She is, she is the nicest, sweetest athlete I have ever worked for, ever. In fact, she doesn't she. I've been behind the curtain. There's no deceit. There's no, I mean, not only is there no deceit, she doesn't even understand deceit. When it, when deceit comes her way, it confuses her. She doesn't get it. Um, so the fact that she treated everybody so nicely and so well over time, um, I think really is, is almost equity that she's trading on now. Um, and that people want to help because, She's so she's so genuinely nice. It was, and that's why she's still my friend. I mean, look, I have a lot of guys I did a lot of great work for: Justin Tuck, David Robinson, Anna Kornikova, Steffi Graf, Michael Chang. These are, and these are wonderful people. Um, I like them, but they're not my friends. Uh, only Jeanette is uh, is do I consider my friend, and I think vice versa. You mentioned that. She's undergoing her second round of chemo and that yesterday she's not spending her days scrolling through Facebook to see these responses, but she knows about them, right? I tell her that has to mean something to her. It just happened. Yes. Started really happening full bore yesterday, Mike. So I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. She hasn't seen, she hasn't seen the notes yet from people. Um, she's, you know, she's gotten some, um, I, I warned her and she didn't listen to me on this one. I told her to get a new phone number um, <laughs> because her phone, everybody knows her phone number, texts, it just blew up. Um, because as soon as people heard about the news, they wanted to reach out. They wanted to console. They wanted to help. Um, and um, it's it's been... It's it's been what I expected would happen. It's been that kind of. Um, I've got people at the highest level of sport helping us do this. Um, I'll bet. Pushing pushing stuff out. People at ESPN are helping. People at Sports Business Journal are helping. Not just billiards folks. The people, the general sports public, um, is helping as well. Well, and Jeanette was. Jeanette was was the only WPBA player that I know of that truly did cross over into that through ESPN. But that's that's where I helped. Yeah, um, that, her relationship with Bass Pro Shops is for for a billiards player is groundbreaking. To have a relationship with a non billiards company that lasted five years, six years as a as an endorser that's amazing. But you know, but she had Canadian Club and others that were out there she did some others but yeah she was she was the only person i thought was really a sports icon uh maybe even a cultural icon 
at least to some degree. Um, but I've always held this thought in my head, Mike, that um, that billiards is a niche activity. There's no question about that. Um, um, but the people that play are very ardent. And I must say that too. Uh, but I thought I've always thought that the the general sports public only has enough room in sort of collective memory bank for one billiard celebrity a generation. And what was Minnesota Fats gave way to to uh, Willie Moscone, gave way to a little bit to Steve Miserac. Why? Because it was because of the Miller Lite commercial. Um, and then, but nobody's replaced Jeanette since. Jeanette's the next one, and nobody's replaced her yet. A question that that I have for you is, if you were, if you were in an elevator with uh, a seventeen-year-old player, male, female, and you know they seemed to be well-spoken, they had the ability, and and they wanted to be that next Jeanette Lee, what would you tell them? Practice real hard, because you know without the winning, it doesn't matter either. You can have all that flash and dash and good looks you want. You can have the wonderful nickname. You can be on ESPN. But if you're not a champion, it doesn't count. The first part is being really good at what you do. The rest of it comes second. That's that's the difference between sports and entertainment. You can be a mediocre singer and be a massive star, Britney Spears. But the um, uh, in sport, you have to win. Uh, Tom, I, I hadn't really thought of asking you this before, but I, it wouldn't be fair if I didn't. Um, you know, we have, we have players in the game today and after hours, uh, matches, you know, we've talked about it after hours action, you know, it's a part of the game and, and Jeanette, you know, Jeanette was, was at Derby city. She, she was part of that too. Um, how, how do you talk to your players? How do you talk to the people that you represent, be they Jeanette or I'm a Phoenix Suns fan. I hate to even say this. David Robinson. Um, how do you talk to them you can do about Chris Paul. use Chris Paul? Okay. Okay. Chris. Yeah. Now there you go. I mean, they understand they're always on camera. There, there isn't a time when they're able to let their hair down and really just enjoy themselves. But how do you prepare a player for always being on camera? First of all, it's impossible. It's impossible to prepare them. They're too young. Mostly. Usually, usually it takes something to happen. Some of them get it. Um, but I remember I had this one young man um, and, a, and uh, a friend of his posted pictures of him and this athlete um, it's, and the price of poker has gone up so much with the advent of both social media and with um, cell phones that do video and picture. I mean, it's that's that's the, the price of poker went way up when that happened. All you have to do is talk to Michael Phelps about the famous bong incident. You know oh, that yeah. you, you are really always on. But this guy had pictures on the website of on his um, uh, Facebook page of a party and the girls looked a little, well, perhaps of ill repute as possible. Looked that way. I said, dude, you can't be doing that. I mean, just because you're not famous, he is. You can't post pictures of him like that. Take him down. Um, Because it all takes is, you know, I had another athlete come up to me and said, you know, I think I'm going to do Twitter. I said, well, that's okay, dude. That's fine. You can do Twitter if you want, but why are you doing it? He said, I don't know. Everybody else is doing it. I said, well, okay. Only here's my advice to you. Whenever you post something on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever you're going to post it, just pretend that you're sitting in the New York Giants press room 
And every member of the press is sitting there watch, uh, taking every word down you write. Because I don't know who will follow you, but I know those guys will. And anything you write on social media is public domain. They can use it. Right. Um, and he said, and he, that particular athlete chose not to do it, at least for the time being at the time. Nope, then I'm not doing it. I'm not do- because you, the price of poker does go way, way, way up. And there's, uh, before I mentioned Jeanette never let you down, Lee, I never had to worry about that kind of stuff with her. There right. was no negatives. There was no uh, backfill. You know, we do a lot in crisis management in our business, and some of it's some of it's um, of nobody's fault. Some of it is guys acting badly, and you have to help mitigate it. Um, but you know, it does. You know, listen, if you if you're selling your image, that means somebody else bought it, um, and if they bought it, they bought it with certain expectations that you, as the seller, need to meet. Um, and um, and that's look. We tried to give our athletes like media training and that kind of stuff when we would first recruit them as eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old um, adults, but kids. Um, and invariably, the ones who didn't need it are the ones who took it, and the ones who needed it the most never wanted to do it. Yeah, I could see that, and and I could also see spending a tremendous amount of time in crisis management. That's got to be brutal. We were lucky at Oxcon because of the, the way we presented ourselves and the way we ran ourselves as a company, and we used the word should a lot. Um, uh, and so we had a really high caliber uh, of people. I mentioned Chris Paul, um, I'm uh, David Robinson. These are very high. Michael Chang, you could do that for a while. They're very high caliber people. So we didn't have as much as other people have, but you always have some. Um, and when it, when it does, it's negative energy. It takes a ton of time. You don't, you know, you're just, it's a ton of work. And I'm glad we didn't have to do tons of it. Um, but you had to do some. We had to do the Michael Phelps thing, as I mentioned. And, um, uh, you know, we there were others. Uh, but fortunately, not. It, it, it was not a constant barrage for us. And that was, that was a blessing. Um, well, uh, again, I'd like to, to remind people of the GoFundMe. I mean, that's the, the primary reason that we're doing the interview today. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. And the GoFundMe is not, is, this is not your, your you, know, you see so many GoFundMes in the pool world and it's, you know, such and such a player wants to play in this tournament. So uh, donate money. This is, this is for Jeanette's three daughters. And the support that you've seen so far has been huge, but certainly you're looking for more. Yeah, we're looking for, basically we're setting up a trust. And so it's more like an endowment. So that money should last, that money should take care of them no matter what their um, situation is after Jenna passes, if she does in fact pass. But, um, but it'll take care of their, their, you know, their general well-being and their college education and that's what the trust is going to be um, set up to do. And by the way, if they don't, um, you can. The the link is too big for me to say out loud now. It wouldn't make any sense to anybody. But if you just go to GoFundMe.com and punch in Jeanette Lee into the search bar, it comes up. Perfect. Okay, uh, Tom. I know how busy you are. You know we had to reschedule this interview. I appreciate you taking the time and. You know, you're doing a great thing, and, and we're all going to send our our best thoughts to Jeanette, and, and she's going to kick this thing's ass, just like she did. She's, she's, if anybody can, she can do it. She is, the amount of resolve, 
I've seen this resolve before, Mike, and so have you. Um, and you know, it's a it's a tougher opponent, but uh, hey, the, if the spirit's willing, maybe the flesh will be strong enough. That's She's all a I champion. She is. I want to thank you very much for doing this, Mike, and uh, I hope things go as well as we can hope. All right. Sounds good. Tom, I appreciate your time, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you, buddy. All right. That was Tom. Uh, sad news, but it's not, it, it's not the end of the match. Jeanette is going to fight this, and... I'm not a religious man, so I'm not going to say, you know, God is going to look out for anything like that. It's just not who I am. But what I will say is in fighting something like this, the biggest ammunition you can have is positivity and the belief that you can beat it. And if there is anyone in the world who has the belief that they can beat anything, it's Jeanette Lee. From what Tom says, she's fighting it with all of her strength. And I think... Her strength, in addition to the support of all of her millions of fans out there, inside and outside of the pool industry, that she is going to do everything she can to, like I said in the interview with Tom, kick this thing's ass. And I'm looking forward to it. So that is this week's episode. Um, The next episode that you will get on the Cue It Up Network will be from Nick over at Chalk is Cheap. Nick is interviewing Calvin Post. He is the owner-operator of CJP Billiards. They make uh, chalk holders, training equipment, that sort of thing. Uh, So that will be an episode coming up from Nick within the next couple of days, and that will be on the Cue It Up uh, network. But as for this show, this was American Billiard Radio. I am not Mr. Bond. I could never fill Mr. Bond's shoes. I'm simply doing what I can to continue what he started. And Dave, we are always thinking about you. 